0: It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. It's not quiet. It's not recording yet. Now it's no, it's not. (gasps) It is. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show. And after seven years of covering professional wrestling. Today, well, not yet today, this weekend was Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki Day and we were all very, very happy, except for the two yahoos who don't like Bryce Remsburg and really, what's wrong with them? And to celebrate on this auspicious occasion by reviewing a card from a completely different company is Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you, sir?
1: Hello, that's... That match was incredible. Like, if you haven't watched it yet, what's stopping you? It's free on YouTube and it is about half an hour of just pure, incredible wrestling.
0: Like, Yes. As, as the conversation was, watching Minoru Suzuki versus Brian Danielson will bring you closer to God. That's yeah. exactly. one point. Yeah. I believe, as a Catholic, I can say this. But it will replace you going to confession this week.
1: It's like one day people are going to be in a shock because they'll get to heaven and it's just Minoru Suzuki and to get there. You've got to take <laughs> like several elbows to the collarbone without failing, and it's just like. I can tell you.
0: Devil? Oh, I can tell you a joke. Well, obviously not Ajikom because the devil's not the real thing. Um, I can tell you a joke that I wrote in a in a column once, which is my favorite joke. <laughs> <laughs> And okay. so, okay, so um, Rick Flair dies and goes to heaven, and um, he says he gets to the pearly gates, and Peter, Saint Peter lets him in, and God goes, "Hey, Rick, how are you doing?" And Rick goes, "Woo, I'm doing just fine." And the God chuckles to himself and says, "Come on, Rick, uh, your place is at my side. The greatness that you are, I have a seat, sir, for you." And then uh, Kurt Angle goes to heaven, and God says to Kurt as he gets into heaven, "Why, why do you think you need to be here? And Kurt says, well, I'm a family man. I represented my country at the Olympics, and even though me and my partner divorced, I still looked after our children and made sure I was a good role model. And God says, well done, Kurt. Your seat is by my side. And then Manami Toyota goes to heaven. And God looks at Manami Toyota and says, why do you deserve to be here? And she rolls her ankles, looks God straight in the eye and says, I believe you're in my seat. (laughs) (laughs) And there you go. That's my favorite joke. It's been it's been taken from different contexts. I actually heard that, believe it or not, in a church (laughs) service. Because my old the old vicar for Brick Owen did my uh, civic service when I was mayor. And he did that joke involving Valentino Rossi. Because I said, if you can put in the sermon somewhere, mention Valentino Rossi for me dad, I'd be dead happy. And he did, because Owen's a top bloke. <laughs> but there we go. Anywho. Um, yeah. Tokyo Joshi Pro is what we're talking about. We did. We should just take a little mention of Minoru Suzuki versus Brian Danielson, because that was ace. And I don't see what people complain. People complain about anything. Here are two legends wrestling each other. A match people wanted to see for decades. It's free on YouTube, and people go, "Well, yeah, but
1: (laughs) why is it free on YouTube? Because everyone and their mother should see this fucking match.
0: Like, it's like, what are you gonna do? Wait for him to come back when there's a pay-per-view? He's here for two more weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: get a grip." AEW just gave you an early Christmas present and you're complaining about the fact you didn't have to pay for it.
0: Oh, God. I knew. But there you go. Yeah. And the whole Bryce Remsburg thing as well, because Kieran, who used to do New Japan gifts before New Japan wouldn't allow him to do New Japan gifts and his account got taken away from, him, doesn't like Bryce Remsburg. And um, Low Blows, uh, another podcast and party host, who are quite cool for another for some reason, for next reason, inexplicable reason, don't like Bryce Remsburg either, and because they're quite noted wrestling commentators, they got an awful lot of uh, flashback. Because like, how, how can you be mad at Bryce Remsburg? He's basically a Labrador in a saunter outfit.
1: Yeah, I don't get the why I get angry at Bryce Remsburg. He's just there doing his job. Oh, he's getting in all the shots. E, it's not like his job's to check on the wrestlers continuously, is it? Make sure them both ready. <laughs> Make sure they're not about to do something stupid or, you know, make sure count. one of them doesn't get
0: her. Choked out. Yeah, choked out, for instance, you know, because those two are not known for like choking people anyway. Um...
1: It's, it's like they were getting in each other's faces before the bell had rung or, or just as the bell had rung. It's like, yeah, the ref's meant to be in that shot because you're meant to break the fighters apart so you can get a proper start.
0: You've clearly never seen Tommy Young or Nick Pantrick or even Earl Hebner or the old school referees actually referee a match. But there you go. Anywho. Well, uh, let us go on to the thing we're actually looking at, which is Wrestle Princess 2 um, from Ota City General Gymnasium in Tokyo, Japan, where they got more people than New Japan did this week. Just point that out. <laughs> now, merely it's a bit different, like a, G- a G1 show versus the big WrestleMania type show of the year. It's a bit unfair. However, it looked a damn sight better when they filled it than it did when New Japan did. um So, Bomb, Ari, Reku, and Remke. Oh, no, we should start again at the beginning. Let's go begin. This was a proper big show. The trouble is, I'm used to doing the Today at show where it's kind of like a quick 10 minute wrap up, and I shouldn't speak so quickly. We should enjoy this. And take our time with it because I'm not rushed to fit it all in 10 minutes. Um, the key thing I noticed about this show is they did so much to lay up the story. There was a pre-show that was a genuine pre-show. They did videotapes of Makito and um, sorry, Makiito and uh, Miyu Yamashita. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to make sure I got that pronounced pronounce that right. And it was Miyu. <laughs> I just shouldn't do because I've seen the wrestle loads of times. But yeah, yeah Miyu, Miu, Yamashita. And... Sorry, say that again.
1: Whenever I'm watching like one of the shows, it's always Miu Yamashita. But I I see it and I pronounce it Yamashita. So yeah. Don't...
0: Miu, as you will be known from now on. The 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 never-ending story between Makiito and Miu is you know they actually give you full background to it and how it got to this particular point and. You know, it's it's a never-ending Okada NATO-style story, but in TJPW's world, and it throws back to the way characters were developed from AJP AJW. You know, it, it's funny enough. Like I've I mentioned it myself, and people other people have taken up on it. When they're like Stardom was built around the principles of All Japan Women, but Tokyo Joshi Pro actually do it better than Stardom do, because Stardom's kind of branched off and become this female new japan really um which is fine because that's what the company is owned by the same company and they use the same trends and kind of what you'd expect to see happen but like tokyo joshi pro is a joshi company and they take their tropes from joshi and you can totally see mio being minami toyota and maki ito being a kiro Kuto just 30 years removed really can't you it's th- that story as you watch them develop it kind of mirrors that, the the technical genius versus the social outcast who is still massively popular, but she's got to figure out how to beat this person who's better than she is, and she can't quite figure it out. That's a story to tell.
1: I said it better myself.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, But yeah, so they covered all of that. They had interviews with all the main wrestlers. It felt like an AJW show from the 80s. If you go back and look online for... Um, all the big AJW mixed card shows from 93, 94. They have about an hour of Aja Kong jogging around the stadium and Akira Hokuto doing a makeup. And it felt like that. It was really kind of old school in its approach, and it made the whole show feel bigger, even though they weren't translating it as they went. You know, the whole show seemed like a, a much bigger deal than a normal Tokyo Joshi Pro show. Am I right?
1: Kind of, yeah. Well, it is. Because this was their big sort of opening gambit to get people on the new Wrestle Universe.
0: Yeah, it's the so, first big show.
1: I feel it makes sense for them to give it all this sort of pomp and like special treatment and obviously showcase everything they can about TJPW for people who were here because they saw the word free stuff and thought...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did get one of my friends onto it this morning, one of my friends, Scott. He used to play drums in my band. Um he's a big fan of Maki Ito. I said you should watch this because it's free. And if you like it, you can watch it. So hopefully he'll pick up on it and see how he gets on. Um I might have him on the show and see if he's enjoyed it or not. And we can grill him. He's he describes himself as a casual wrestling fan. I'd be intrigued as how he feels and he's about it. Um yeah. And then we get to the first bit of the show, which was, as is traditional, a uh, rendition of a tune or two. From the Up Up Girls, which was quite pleasant.
1: I always love the Up Up Girls because you've got Raku, who's like the sleepy god. You've got Mew, Watanabe, who's just like a killer if you let her off, like let her fire off. And then Hikari Noah, who wants to do death matches. (laughs) And they're all just like doing a full on idle performance. And it's it's always trippy. It's so funny. Well, not funny, fun.
0: And again, that's another long-held AJW trope. You know, it's like you'd see Chigusa, so the, the biggest feud. In fact, um, the story I'm going to start to write up for your Halloween death matches story is the match between Chigusa Nagayo and Dump Matsumoto in 86, um, which started because Dump Matsumoto and Gokokowi Dumai invaded a Crush Girls performance and attacked Chigusa Nagayo. And it became the biggest feud in Japanese wrestling for three years. And it's like still, TJPW still kind of take that on board. And they've got a lot more. Ito was an idol wrestler as well. They've kind of got more into that idol scene that Stardom have kind of got away from. But they're kind of crossing over into different venues with it. It's really intriguing how they present their women and where they get their women from. And how many avenues it's opening up for them.
1: It's like, this is it. TJPW is almost like a variety show of some degree from what you get from their talents, because different wrestlers fill different roles. And they've all obviously made their own unique characters with their own unique looks, costumes, etc. Because it's it's described as a fighting idols sort of company, and they really do try to embody that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we get to our first match of the evening, which was a six-woman tag. Pom Harigajuka, Raku, and Ram Kecho making her Deji debut for the TJPW. They defeated Haruna Neko, Keo Taribani, and Mahiro Kairu in ten minutes and nine seconds, which was a pretty full match. Um, for those who've not come across Ram before, she actually wrestles for 666 and is a bit of a veteran of that particular company. And 666 is a bizarre mix of all kinds of different styles, so she's bang on for TJPW. Um, and as I've only ever seen her be a bit dark and mysterious, this was a bit weird watching her trying to be a bit more fun.
1: <laughs> well, i on try, considering she was still flipping people off and swearing at them for the entire match.
0: <laughs> yes. But that's, that's what makes things... That was what made things fun about this. It was an uh... intriguing mix of cutesy innocence and hell demon
1: uh like ram kai cho is one of my favorite like Joshi wrestlers because she she bounces between so many different companies and always tries to like play to their style whilst also just being unashamedly herself with it it's always fun (laughs) and they paired her with like two of the most innocent people in like TJPW in Raku and Harrod and Pom like sure Pom loves kicking people in the shins but who wouldn't in a fight <laughs> so you've got Demon Demon Ram Raku who just wants to have a nap and Pom who's just full of like energy
0: yeah it's exactly it's, it's ideal um, levels of you know what's the word um, Tartan and Black Leather with some gingham on the side um, but yeah no, they were really really cool and to give the other team their due they were very entertaining as well um which, which is this the comment, i'm trying to remember the commentators though. it's not listed on here because they only do the japanese comments if you watching
1: in english
0: yeah chris brooks and belianaki are very very good commentators uh by the way chris brooks has a calling as a commentator when he retires i don't want him to retire just yet um, but, yeah, the, the brilliant line. Ah, yes, here is a 17-year-old with six years of professional experience. I know, here's a six-year pro who's celebrating a 17th birthday next that week. Was, that was the line from this match, which just kind of sums up Joshy, really. Yeah.
1: Child must be damned. They made this match... Like, this match felt perfect as the opener because it sort of just introduces one of the core rules to sort of TJPW... If it looks cute, it is legal considering (laughs) Taruna and spent half the match clawing people's eyes out.
0: But she's a cat. So, yeah. Yeah. There is also a rule in in Joshi that cat-based characters of which there have been a plenty also have tails that are live, as in, you can put Submission holds on the tails. So, you know, it depends on if they think they're actually a cat or... If they're um, just playing a cat type character, I think as Neko is playing a tap cat type character, I don't think the, the tail is in play.
1: I was going to say, I'm not sure if that's just limited to cats either, because um, Ryuchi Sakin from Ganbear, I think it was. It was either Ganbear or Basara. He had like a Saiyan type tail from like Dragon Ball. And whenever someone attacked that, he'd act like it was a real tail.
0: There's, I'm trying to the the ice ribbon champion. I can't remember her name. There was an ice ribbon champion not long ago. I'm just going to try and find it and see if I can remember her name. And she was a cat. <laughs> <laughs> she actually was a cat. So um, she ended up. Um, oh, it might be Sera. Nope, it's not that.
1: Rizacia is the Death <laughs> Magic
0: Queen. Yeah, no, not a, not a, not a. Trying to remember. Alumni notable Sports Oh, will tell me forever to find out. But anyway, uh, she was a cat and uh, and as such her tail was in play and people used to try and put submissions on her tail. <laughs> oh there you go. Oh uh, no, that's me, I'm Shira. Sure. That's not there. Um it it's um yeah, so I'm trying, I'm trying to go through the pictures. But yeah, she was ace and she ended up being champion for the company. She was that popular. Um And as a result of that, she, she got to the top of the company, but then, um, she kind of had a tail docked because she had to have serious wrestling matches at that point. (laughs) Ah, an echo Nita. there you go. That's her. Uh, yeah, she was, uh, I've just seen a picture dressed as Santa, uh, funnily enough, as we were just talking. Yeah, she was, um, she, she was trained by Emi Sakura. Of course she was. And she only did four years. Uh, Hayate, Emi Sakura, and Ray. There you go. Um, but yeah, she was really cool, and she like in that four years she won the championship and burnt out. So then she quit, which is you know the way of things, unfortunately, in Joshi too. But yeah, this match was fine, I and mean, there's loads of stuff to look forward to because these are all young wrestlers, and plenty of stuff to go at in 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 uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro for all of them. Should we move on to the next match? Which was Mark Chaos. Oh, yes. Nodoko Tenma defeats Hyper Misao and Riki Tatsumi in 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Hyper Misao wanted to show her love for Riko Tatsumi in a singles match. However, that was not to be because it was a three way dance with Notabuki Tenma. Misao spent most of the match trying to get rid of Tenma so she could have a singles match with Tatsumi, who's just gone back from injury and was not keen on the idea of a singles match. And that was the story of this match. For those of you who don't know, uh, Hyper Misao is a terrible superhero. Who, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, has been doing this a lot longer than, um, oh, Nikki Thingy in WWE, whose name yeah. escaped her Nikki Ash in WWE. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. I liked it. What I about you, John?
1: All she wanted to do was, like, show love for Tatsumi, and Tatsumi just kept bullying her. <laughs> Yes. they're just like hey are you forgetting about something and then killing people it's oh, it was such a mess but it was such a mess in the best ways because every yeah. time we, you'd see this teamwork between Mizau and Tatsumi Tatsumi would just ruin it again because he doesn't want a singles match <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, no. it's just so fun
0: it is it's just it's It's just wrestling at a base level, but I like it, i got to say. It's just just fun. You never stop smiling when you're watching Tokyo Joshi Pro. That's the thing. It is always fun. They'll put some serious stuff in there to counterbalance it, but it's never, like, bad. It's just fun. People come to watch these matches to have fun. There's no, like, you know, there's no major consequences for anybody involved, and uh, it's always going to be fun. And that's it. And there's some good technical wrestling in this match as well. Because, you know, it's comedy. So, usually, that requires somebody who's actually competent at being a professional wrestler to do it. And Tenma's really good as well. I like her a lot. I've uh, seen her on the previous Tokyo Joshi Pro show we looked at with Christy. Um, but, yeah, no, it was lots of fun. Anything else you'd like to say about this?
1: It's just interesting seeing uh, Tenma in a singles match. It's like both her and her partner were in sing- like singles encounters this time. And they yeah. both showed off pretty well
0: yeah that's it you know the, the, the thing is like on a big show like this you're trying to get as many people on the cards as you can um, and there's only two or three big stories to get you through this particular show the rest of it is kind of showcase time and there's nothing wrong with that if you're showcasing the right people doing the right things and this was a good opportunity to do that Should we move on to the next match yeah Okay. Uh, speaking of debuts ask her no, not that Asuka. Venny. <laughs> Veni Asuka. <laughs> the Veni that she uses in AEW and other Japanese promotions, just to save confusion with, you know, the other Asuka. Tagged up with Yuki Kemifuki. and this was Asuka's debut in TJPW. And they defeated Marika Kabashi and Neo Kakuti in ten minutes and thirty seconds. This was a bit of a job match because you have this new powerful tag team coming in called Veni U. That's uh, Fuki and Asuka. So they kind of had to get shown off. And boy, did they impress. This was a proper old kick in. I like this because it showed how powerful the other new team is. And Asuka has one of the best moonsaults I've ever seen. There was a picture last year. She was wrestling at an outdoor show. And she did the moonsault over the cherry blossoms into the ring from a balcony. And it was a gorgeous picture. Anywho, going back to this. Um, yeah, this was a ton of fun. But, I mean, Kabashi and Kakuta were going to lose, and you could tell they were going to lose because they didn't get the big entrance. I'm not even sure if they got an entrance. I think they just turned up in the ring. It was a bit like WCW in the 90s. Did they get an entrance?
1: Yeah, because Kakuta had new gear to show off and Kabashi had new hair to show off, so everyone got entrances still.
0: Oh, okay. It just felt a bit WCW to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it played out like a mostly squash match, but, like, I don't know. It it still worked because, like, Kabashi and Kakuta... Like perfectly managed to encapsulate that sort of underdog, we're getting the shit kicked out of us, but we'll still try and kick ass mentality whilst Asuka and Kamifuku were, yeah, as you said, just giving them a kicking. <laughs> <laughs> and Asuka still remains to be one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Like no. they're still really damn young and yet they're that goddamn good. It's it's ridiculous. It's no. honestly incredible.
0: Neo Kakuta has one of the best uh, singles names, uh, sorry, um, alternate wrestling names I've ever come across, which is Rat Chaser. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's super. That's that's, and it's, and she's also, she's like, she's been wrestling for six years. I'm just looking at the cage match stuff. She's 34, which meant she started at 29, which for a Joshi is about 12 years too old. So the fact that she's got to this level is amazing really because you know this isn't the diamond dallas page territory he started his wrestling career at 33 you kind of have to be young to do this so 29 years old that's a massive achievement to be like on major pay-per-views like this even if you are in like a a secondary role like in this particular case but yes Asuka looks absolutely ready made for ddt um oh i'm trained by yoki hamada you know
1: the legend never that got is to I, um, I told my mate to watch that match and he tapped out after the entrance because he was like, right, I've seen everything I need to see now.
0: <laughs> Why? And it was an incredible entrance. It was a beautiful entrance. A gorgeous entrance, if you will.
1: And he was just like, right, you've sold me. I don't need to see any more. I will come back to this at some point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. Um, but there was cool stuff in that match, very much so. Okay, we move on to uh, the returning Riho and Shoku Nakajima, they defeated Arisu Endo and Suzume in 40 minutes and fifty two seconds, which was probably the technically the best match on the best uh, tag match on the card, I think. I personally would think. And this was really, really good because you know, it's got Rio in it, who's ace, and Nakajima is ace as well. And so is Endo and so is Sissime. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love this for wrestling each other. More please. Um, it was kind of a classic Joshi flow and big sports match. Um, nothing in it kind of stood out. It just kind of went awesomely well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I was struggling to describe it because it's just like it's a Joshy tag match. But I think, you know, they were saying on commentary how Rio looks a lot more settled in her status after being AEW world champion and you know spending all this time on american television and they're right and yeah she does look kind of like more statuesque than she used to do i think but this is really cool and i really enjoyed this match what's your thoughts on it Jim?
1: yeah it was just another amazing sort of showcase of Joshi wrestling it was definitely a lot more technically sound than a lot of the other matches and yeah, as you said, they were just all an, e- like an excellent pairing of teams. And it was just fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, just fun. I we say this a lot, but it is. That's what TJPW is. It's just fun. You know, it's like everyone goes nuts about like AEW, WWE, and, and it's like just stop and watch this. And unplug your brain for half an hour and watch a wrestling match. And don't worry about what's happening if anybody blows spots. Just watch a wrestling match and have some fun. Please. <laughs>
1: this has been a public service announcement from Mr. James Truerpenny about the safety of wrestling fans.
0: I just doing my head in at the minute. All right, I run a podcast where we analyze wrestling matches. This is true. And the history of wrestling. So it seems a bit like pot calling kettle black to get too involved in it. And in my time, I've probably been accused of being far too involved. But I'm older. I've learned from my mistakes. I'm going to go into my dotage thinking that people actually enjoy professional wrestling and watch it for the terms of entertainment that it is. So please do so.
1: Well, that's my plan to use it as a form of mental torture on my newest prisoner.
0: Yes. No. I mean, well, I mean, look at it this week, right? Okay. Then just on p- subjects of people taking things too seriously. You know, Seahawk who uh, wrestles wrestles rights for um ooh, Pro Wrestling Torch. Mm. Yeah, he said this week, I can't remember the exact quote. I follow him. He follows me. We talked a bit. He's cool. He said this week, I don't particularly want to watch Crown Jewel because it's funded by the people who brought us 9-11, which is not untrue. And the amount of crap he's gone through over the last two days because, well, Saudi Arabia did fund this. And it's like, no, take a breath. Now, Saudi Arabia, the people of Saudi Arabia, are probably all quite lovely. The government of Saudi Arabia torture people, hate women, hate gay people, and the WWE should not be going there because there are human rights violators who should be left alone as pariahs on the world stage. And do you know why we know that, why it works? Because South Africa no longer practices apartheid. So if you take away the stuff, they want it back and they'll do things to get it back. So now would be a good time to stop. Uh, but, you know, Seahawks had a ton of stuff go, go on in these mentions for like the last two days because he was absolutely honest about that situation. And again, it's about taking something seriously enough to actually do the research about them so that you know that they're true and actually just enjoying professional wrestling for what it is. We do talk about politics on the show a lot because it does affect everything we do as wrestling. And me and Chelsea a couple of weeks ago went in depth about the fact that we, both of us think neither, no one should be going to Saudi Arabia to perform wrestling shows at the moment. But there you go. People just don't get it, do they? So on one hand, take things seriously and do your due diligence. On the other hand, it's just a wrestling show. These two things can coexist in the same space.
1: As time's gone on we've become a lot more reactionary mainly through social media and things like that because obviously we can see something and within like 20 seconds we'll have given our thoughts on it on Twitter and you just like nobody really, like a lot of the time it's I'm going to make people sound stupid here and I don't mean to but a lot of the time we just don't take the time to think about things anymore like even I'm guilty of it like I'll tweet out and then like half an hour later I'll be like why the fuck did I ever put that up? (laughs) <laughs> it's just to see things, and it's like, oh no, someone blew a spot. Oh look how, look how idiotic. They, it's like I was watching, was it Uncharted Territory, the newest Beyond show, and a guy completely eats shit on a dive, but it was intentional. Like I think it was intentional because it's like, oh look at how far he's willing to go, and I saw a lot of people get that, and then the other half of the people was like, oh why didn't the guy catch him? Oh that's dangerous. And it was just like. He's fine. He got yeah. up like nothing happened. He even did this, like, the customary thing. I'm just like, why are you complaining about this? He's not.
0: Yeah. I He's mean,
1: his spine's still in the same place. Just let him have his moment.
0: AEW botches is entirely built around that. Like, <sighs> you, you see some of their gifts, and it's like, no, they're meant to do that. It wasn't botched at all. You think it's a botch because it's still style of wrestling you're not familiar with because cornet doesn't approve of it you think it's wrong why are you watching a television show just to watch people make mistakes the funny
1: <laughs> the funny thing is even cornet has laid off aw to a degree because he's probably seen aw botches and thought fucking hell is that what i look like
0: yeah to an extent that- and also I point out that actually he doesn't hate aw anymore because they've done some cool stuff lately and at the, at the end of the day as much as jim is horrible and has some horrible opinions about stuff and has said some horrible things. He wants wrestling to succeed. He wants the future of the business to be good that so the boys and girls have somewhere to work, as he quite often says. And he isn't daft. If he alienates too much of the wrestling audience, they won't speak to him or listen to him anymore. So, you know, that's the thing. It's it's. Cornette isn't stupid. That's very, very not stupid. He isn't particularly nice. Has said some things that aren't particularly nice, I disagree with entirely. Let's even not talk about his thoughts on Joshi. But.
1: (laughs) Why do you keep calling them all children?
0: Yeah, because it's like, what is wrong with you? Because it's like he used to get tapes traded in from Japan and would get the AJW from the 90s stuff, but won't watch it because it had women in it. He didn't think it was going to be any good. And it's like, you idiot! You know, this is exactly the kind of visceral storytelling and realism you want in your wrestling, but because it's girls, it doesn't matter.
1: To be fair, that ties in nicely because the next match has Aja Kong in it just breaking faces.
0: It does indeed. In the next match, Aja Kong and Mokyo Miyamoto defeated Miyu Watanabe and Yuki Arai in 16 minutes and 3 seconds. Uh, Aja is not looking as well as she did. In fact, so this she's taking a bit of a break at the moment because her knees are shot. And she needs a rest for her knees, which is understandable. You know, when you started your career 30 years ago and you go full tilt and even like three and four years ago, you were having match of the year contenders, then, yeah, your knees are going to be a state.
1: Not to mention she's been in like exploding matches.
0: This was was a prime example of how to hide your injuries mm. because she didn't run the ropes once or she maybe did twice. But that was about it. She didn't take any bumps that uh, elbow, elbow drop, I do apologise. But she was absolute, minimal amount of movement for maximum amount of effect. <laughs>
1: well, this is it. She was like the brick wall of this match. The brick wall with fists that would knock your teeth out for trying to hit it.
0: And Maya Watanabe deserves a medal for trying to giant swing her as well. I'd like to point that out.
1: She nearly achieved it. That was the best thing.
0: The last person to giant swing Arja Kong would have been uh, Lioness Asuka in about 1988. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you're really going for it there, girl. Have a go. Hold on. Wait. But now she pulled it off. Because um, there's also the fact she's about three, well, she's about four inches shorter than the line as Asker is. And so she hasn't really got the leverage to try it at all. So there you go. But yeah, Miyamoto and Arai as well bet really good. I mean, these, the stars are Watanabe and Kong in this match, obviously. But Miyamoto and Arai were just great. I really, I just They're enjoyed in. this.
1: Telling a secondary story because Arai got her first win at, like, Miyamoto's expense. They showed that on the pre-show as well.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And so, obviously, Miyamoto's trying to avenge that, and Arai's trying to sort of show she's growing by trying to take it to Ashikong Kong and not succeeding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got it on the background. I just got to the point Watanabe's trying to uh, giant swing Kong. I just I love that tightening a ponytail up. Right, we're gonna get strapped in here, lads. We're having a crack here. That was a that is ace.
1: Every match I've seen Watanabe and she's incredible. Like she is. She just understands the assignment. Like she's incredibly strong, incredibly charismatic, quite funny. She just knows how to act from match to match. Like here she yeah. in pretty serious game mode. Whereas she could be in like an opening match or one of the tags, like tag bouts, like the opening tag bouts. And she'd just be there like she knows when to sort of turn it up and turn it down. And it's just she just gets it.
0: Do you know where she came from? Which sport she was in before she did this?
1: They mentioned it on commentary and I cannot remember.
0: She was in softball. She played softball oh
1: yeah because so she does all the softball punches and things like that
0: yeah but no she's she she is like she doesn't really remind me of anyone um i'm trying to think there used to be a wrestler in ajw in the 80s that was really kind of close to the way she dresses and acts i'm trying to remember who it was it might her mate might have been watanabe as well to be honest let me just look her up ajw watanabe yeah um And she had kind of, she was kind of like the heel version of what she is, if that makes sense. Mm. Because she was, um... oh no, that's different Watanabe, that's the big girl Watanabe, I was thinking somebody else. Um, Yeah, oh, I'd have to go through a bunch of matches to try and find and remember a name. And I can't, I was hoping it would come up straight away, and it doesn't, anywho. um, Just just add
1: it onto the podcast description if needs be.
0: (laughs) Me Watanabe, you kind of looks a bit like this girl from the 1980s um mm, i see a picture of her in my mind but she was very straight ahead style kind of like what nabi is but she was more of a heel and she was charismatic in a different way she had a kind of darker character to it and she definitely would not have been seen dead singing one with the Up girls but you know what nabi but what nabi has that kind of character she you could see her in a shoot fight and it, she would look realistic you know she Isn't would
1: interesting she a, that A while back because TJPW did these what they call inspiration shows and the first one had like the up-up girls in different fights and it was where Hikari Noah had the first TJPW hardcore match against Rini Yamashita in the main event and it was Watanabe versus Mizuki I think Mm. and in that one like Watanabe was just trying to be like oh I can out muscle you like I can do this you can't sort of thing so if she even she can show off a dark side every now and then. Or a darker side I guess.
0: Yeah, this was a different kind of uh dark but <laughs> well, I understand what you're saying. Um I'm just looking up some old AJ double cards to see if I can find her. Oh that's it, Sake Asagawa. You ever seen her wrestle? Yeah. She's in yeah, one I
1: of she... the shows you sent me ages ago.
0: Do you remember what do you see what I mean now? Because Sasigawa was like she was a straight up kind of stiff style wrestler and mm. yeah she she was kind of she was kind of always one of my favorites she was again she was in an era where she was going to be underrated because everyone around her was so good um but she she really did like shine as as a kind of tough person figure in the 80s 90s sorry i should say 90s um and Mio isn't like her in that sense but she's got the same build and the same attitude to wrestling what an army isn't a Super class technical wrestler, she's a big powerhouse wrestler. We've got some big stiff shots, and that's kind of that's a yeah, was kind of thing. She's kind of never backed down from anyone, and that's what I like about Watanabe. She just doesn't back down either in a different kind of way. But yes, should we move on to the next match, or have you got anything else to say about this one?
1: Azure Kong comes out to Electric Eye by Judas Priest. I really yes. appreciate
0: that. We all do. She has done for years. So.
1: <laughs> I've never noticed it because whenever she gets an entrance or in most of the shows I've seen her and she's never had like there's never been music for it. It's always like uh, music muted due to copyright reasons or they just don't show her entrance.
0: I have actually been in an arena where I came out to the Helion and High. Guy. So it's also
1: the best Judas Priest song in my opinion. Uh, I
0: would say so. I like breaking the law a lot, though, as well. But there you go. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, wrestle wrestled, uh, Wrestle Queendom 2, 1, at the York Hall, in, and me and Sai were there, as well as uh, Alex Edwards, a Troopany Show contributor. That was a really bizarre night. Because <laughs> it was, well, it wasn't bizarre, it was Ace, and there was, like, a lot of people there I knew, and we all, we, we me and Sai went, and we took the bus down there, And we managed to get that all watched in the day. And then I had to go back to Salford for a a christening the following day. So I tried to get sleep on the National Express coach from London to Greater Manchester. It was insane. It was an insane 24 hours. One of these things you do when you're like, you know, I can make it. (laughs) (laughs) I you still laugh st- at
1: the fact we were both at the Manchester Sendai Girls show and we never realised it.
0: No, no, Sat opposite one another. I know, was just there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the, me and Cy si went down there. Alex was there. He was doing camera work. And I went up to um, uh, the Bringside to say hello to him. And apparently all the way through the headphones, a bunch of people went, is that <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> I I knew the I knew the ring photographer Cherry as well from uh, Twitter. So I had a chat with her and it was just bizarre that day. Really it was kind of really nice and cool to be in this entire world of Joshi because Mako Satamore was there, IJCon was there. Progress wrestled at um it was their big show uh that they did at um oh where did they have their big shows? But they were wrestling in the afternoon. So that uh, the entire Progress roster was sat watching the main event. They all came over, Chris Brooks was there watching Mako Satomura and Kaylee Ray. Which bizarre. And so Kid could like us with that mask as well.
1: To be fair, Chris Brooks loves Joshy. Like, there's a reason yeah. he loves Chaka Pro so much. And he was obviously best mate with so. <laughs> It's Like, mm-hmm. Chris Brooks and Joshy go hand in
0: hand. Yes, this is true. And um yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty cool roster. It was the, the roster watching the show was pretty cool, never mind the actual show itself. Okay, let's move on to the next match, which was for the International Princess title. Hikaru Noah defeats Yuki Aino in 11 minutes and 27 seconds of a very impressive match. I really enjoyed this. There was a fair bit of story behind this as well. What are your thoughts on this match, John?
1: Well, I'm obviously instantly biased because Hikari Noah's in it. But it's like, (laughs) Hikari Noah is a wrestling gateway drug because I've shown it to about three different people who had different interests and three different styles and they all love her for it. Like, most recently it was, um, because one of my mates is big into Tekken and and he's a massive King player and she uses one of King's, like, toughest moves to pull off the rolling death cradle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is obviously the spinning Lamahi Strial clutch Yeah And he was like blown away By the fact that that move can actually be performed In real life when I sort of told him That like wrestlers do the more cap Work for all of King's moves Yeah In fact I'm pretty sure Minoru Suzuki and I was Manu- just about Have done more cap for King in the past
0: Yes I was just about to say The first wrestler to do Well Who who's King based on Tatora Sayama, of course, who was one of the trainers at the original UWF, um, as well as being, you know, Tiger Mask, which King is based on. Um, and then Minoru Suzuki was the first person to do mocap for King as well, and Liger did King later on. And um, also, there is a, a, a game that is remarkably similar to Street Fighter that has a character in it called Dynamite Tommy, who's British. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Street Fighter has a lot of wrestling influence. But yes, Ikari Noah Ace, and Yukiano's Ace as well. But yeah, it was pretty intense as well. For, it was a championship match, and they really went for it. Also, I would like to point out, none of these matches went past 20 minutes, and they were all thoroughly satisfying affairs.
1: All right, I didn't mention time limits for once. That, that. I didn't yes. mention match times for once.
0: No, no, because they were all perfectly well told stories and in an appreciable amount of time. New Japan Pro Wrestling, are you taking it? oh no, to be fair, New Japan haven't been too bad because there's a half hour time limit on all G1 matches. Which no one's got close to except for card and Sonata, because of course they did. But um yeah. Um yeah, G1 final why the G one final on a Thursday? Who puts the final of the G1 on a Thursday? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> Sorry, I'm back to that tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah, this no, match
1: it's... was awesome because I know is like out to try and prove that she can do singles wrestling, and Noah mm-hmm. was there, like out there That's... just trying to show her up because in the like pre-match video, it's like, oh, Noah doesn't see I as a challenge.
0: Which is yeah, which is a nice card. I, it, it's a nice again. It's a Joshi trope of age-old Joshi trope which they're recycling here but there's nothing wrong with that if it worked before it'll probably work again <laughs> you know so that's that's the thing and the of like there's so much honor involved in Joshi, and i really like that that they develop those storylines based around that kind of storytelling like you are not at my you are not at my standard this is such a kind of like very noble way of going about things by the Akira Hokuto Aja Kong story. Have you heard me tell? You must, must have heard me say this story before. Yeah. No, where was it? It was, I can't remember the show. Hokuto was supposed to challenge for the World's Heavyweight Champion, the uh, WWA World Women's Championship. And she refused the championship match because she had an injured knee. And therefore, it would ruin the prestige of the championship if they had a less than perfect match. So she wouldn't challenge for the title. It's like that's that's just ace. That's what a brilliant storytelling device, you know. And Hokuto ends up not winning, and the show, they show to the back and they show her injecting drugs into her knee directly. Like oh god, but yeah, it's um that's the kind of storytelling that old Joshi used to thrive on, and TJPW still use it from time to time to add a little edge to the fun. Because again, if it's fun all the time, you don't get the dynamics do you which is what you need but like you said it's a variety show which is what every good wrestling show should be it shouldn't smack you in the head the chair 15 times in one show alright then shall we get to the semi main event as they say yeah let's do it
1: this was okay. probably my favourite match on the like by the main event which is one of the best matches I've ever seen this was my like favourite match from a fun perspective
0: Yes, this is uh, Neo, Bish- Neo Bishinkigun, Mal Saint Michel, and Sakisama losing their uh, Princess Tag Team titles to Magical Sugar Rabbits Mizuki and Yuki Sakizaki. Um, myself and Chiristi uh, looked at the show where uh, Sakimaki and Saint Michel won the titles uh, all those months ago in spring. Um, and who did they beat? uh because yeah, the they beat the bakaratsu sisters yeah that's uh, yuki and Nodoki tenma so yeah this was this was really good because you know um mason michelle and Sakisami are actually a brilliantly worked tag team they do brilliant brilliant things um and i thoroughly enjoy their work as comedy heels they're outstanding um so watching them wrestle for the tag team titles was excellent. Uh, and they've had an interesting run where they've been um, kind of producing a reign of terror by cheating thoroughly <laughs> to win the, win the tournament, win the, win, defend their titles, as they did throughout this match. But it just didn't work out for them because in the end, a class wrestling outfit like the Magical Sugar Rabbits defeated them. And there was a lot of near-full finishes at the end. It was a really fun match to watch. What's your thoughts on it, John?
1: Yeah, this was just pure fun from start to finish. There was an amazing array of different like technical wrestling. You've got Saki Sam and Mace St. Michelle pulling out all their usual like heel shenanigans. You'll never see a dinner tray used quite in the way that you will do in matches like these. And yet, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was in there was an extra added layer of fun because obviously Chris Brooks doesn't like May Saruga, so of course, no. May Saruga is May Saint Michelle in an alternate universe, and he's there just trying to hide his contempt for her as like her and Saki Sam are pulling off all these things to control the pace of the match. He's trying to throw the ref under the bus, there's just all sorts of funny little moments, and then obviously things kick into another gear, and all the serious wrestling comes out, and it's just like. Oh, yeah, all four of these people can go to an extreme level.
0: Yes. <laughs> and it's,
1: as you said, false finishes galore. You're kind of on your edge. you see by the end of it, you're like, oh, this could end at any moment. And then it does, and you're like, oh, shit, there's been a titles change.
0: Yeah, and all sorts of stuff going on in, like, I'm just it on at the minute, and you've got, like, a, a trap knee bar with an arm hold, and... It's like all sorts of top-level professional wrestling, like technical wrestling with all this character stuff as well. It's just a must-watch match. It's so much fun. 7.88 from the cage match users. This whole show, by the way, got 7.79, which I think is pretty fair. I'd rate it a little bit higher than that, but, yeah, really, really good. And it tells a really cool story as well. So there you go. Just what you want in a wrestling match. And then we get to your main event of the evening, where Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito absolutely delivered one of the best professional wrestling matches you will see this year i just it's the story it's a big layered story like nato and okada like omega and okada like tanahashi and okada and tanahashi and nato if you're a new japan fan, it's flair and steamboat if you like old school wrestling it's it it's the the ongoing story of two rivals who define a company in their particular era. And it's all about Ito trying to get to the title she can't quite win. And that's what this is about. What are your thoughts on this, John?
1: Yeah, it was incredible. Like, Because obviously these two have had so many matches against each other now. They all, they know each other that well, that they can almost predict what the other going to do. And that plays into things really nicely. There's a lot of sort of misdirection a lot of straight up just I'm going to hit you as hard as I can now like screw being like nice about this it's just physical and it's really intense really emotional and really just you kind of suck it in it's one of these absolute no distraction matches.
0: Like yeah, you're not it's... gonna
1: tab out as you're halfway through it to check Twitter or something. No, you you're glued to the screen.
0: You're in. I mean, this is this a lot of this show reminded me just of the way the look of the, the thing was presented. Also Gaia in the early two thousands. You know, that big arena feel. Um even though it's only a thousand people really, um, it looks so big. I'm pretty sure Gaia used to go to this arena or they went to an arena with a very similar layout to this one. And it feels like those old matches with Akira Hokuto and Meiko Satomura and Mako versus Asuka. It feels like those matches. You know what I mean? It feels like a big, high-stakes Joshi match, which is this is. There isn't as much of a higher-stakes Joshi match than Maki Ito versus Miyu in this day and age. And these two totally delivered in that kind of High stakes Joshi style, the way they have to to make these matches worthwhile. It's stiff, it's um well paced, and Ito is not the technical wrestler Mio is, and that shows in the story. She can't quite let that no matter how much effort she puts in, she's not gonna match up to Mio's kicks. she's not gonna match up to her technical prowess. but doesn't mean she isn't gonna try. And but that's the whole feel- story.
1: They also managed to sort of put the final bullet in the head of like, um, oh, Makito can't wrestle. Oh, yeah. Like, no, I'm, was... I'm not saying <laughs> she
0: can't wrestle.
1: <laughs> oh, no, but that's that's another one of the themes that they were sort of going through for this one, because obviously the, in the past, people have used been like, oh, Maki's all charisma, she can't actually wrestle. And over like the past couple of years, that's obviously, that's drastically changed. Yeah. She's, she's shown a more like technical side. She's winning a hell of a lot more things than she used to, and just, yeah, this match kinda was one of those final nails in the coffin to the idea that Maki Ito can't wrestle, that she's just an idol.
0: Yeah. Just watching her deliver a, a tornado DTT off the apron to the floor. Uh just after another DDT, draping DDT off the off the ring oh, ropes to, to the floor. Yeah. You know, she's Ito's got Got whatever it takes just hammering in headbutts as well (laughs) it's
1: like it's kind of funny because ito has put on two of the most memorable matches i can think of because there was this one and there's one years ago that was like halfway down a ddt show and it was her versus konosuke takashita because takashita took out like offense to the fact she kept flipping everyone off and they went for about 20 minutes of just the most insane shit you'll see. Mm. And it was just really fun. And now to see her, like, all these years later, main event at Tokyo Joshi Pro, like, fingertips away from winning a title against one of her oldest rivals and, like, closest friends. It's just... Oh, the transformation is something else.
0: That bombing I need to the back of Mikito's head... Like... I always get scared.
1: Trash rap. When anyone,
0: me. yeah, anyone takes a knee to the back of the head, that's ooh. But he just looks amazing. You know, it's it's one of those wrestling matches you got to see because it is. It's very much in the sense of the combined layering of that particular story, but it stands alone as a great wrestling match. I was so something said. Somebody said this week actually the Daniel Brian Danielson. So I will get it right. Considered it the best match he ever had against Yuji Nagata on uh, a house show somewhere in Japan. And he said it was the best match he ever had. And nothing's come close to it since. And that was back, what, 11, 12, 13 years ago. And it goes to show, like, what we think is great isn't always what's great. But these people, these two here, have to manage to pull it out at just the right moment when there's an awful lot of pressure on them. You know, I was watching that. That show, because the, they did a, a bit of a, the, in the pre-tape of this, they were talking about the CyberFight Festival. And she walks out at the end of that show with Neyamuchi Marafuji and Yon Akiyama as equals. That's pressure. There's two of the greatest professional wrestlers of the last 30 years, and you're considered equal to them. That means you have to deliver to their standard every time. That's a lot of pressure for anyone. And, you know, Miyu has that. She can handle that kind of thing. I haven't seen anyone kind of deliver in this way for quite some time, except maybe Io Shirai for Stardom when she was Stardom champion. And she really had to pull the company out of the fire because of the stuff that had gone on in 2014. And in 2015, she basically had to rescue the company with one title run. And she had the best title run. I ever saw. Uh, I watched every match of that title run, and they were all breathtaking. And then Okada came along, and that was probably equal to that. But Mio hasn't got the chance to do that yet, unless she's got, you know, she's got some more defenses to do to kind of get to that level. But if the defenses are like this, then she's going to drag Tokyo Joshi Pro up with DDT and Noah, which is what CyberFight are looking for, isn't it, really? 100%. But yeah, so we both strongly recommend you watch this wrestling show. But don't listen to us. You could also listen to the people at Cage Match uh, who gave this this particular match a 9.0 rating, which will tell you how good it was. Um, I always like giving alternative views, especially when they agree with us. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to say about Princess 2 um, or Wrestle Princess 2? John, before we close the door on this particular episode, it's relaxing show. show.
1: Like, I put it on after sort of juggling more of the deathmatch calendar, and I've never felt quite so relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, October is a chaotic month for me, it always is. And just, I sort of sat back, chilled out, and was just like, this was like three and a half hours of just amazing wrestling with amazing characters and fun moments.
0: And what compounded more could you by want? one of
1: the best matches you'll see
0: well, there you go and that pretty much catches it all it's incredibly good and one of the best world-rounded shows you'll see this year like Cyberfighter have been producing all year as we keep saying this, you know, they're producing consistent wrestling matches with the crossers that they have on their three main companies and they're lots of fun to watch, so go watch them especially as it's free till January, you have another two months of freedom so there you go
1: all right. Well, speaking of something I threatened to do on the last podcast, I went back and rewatched Keno versus Muta. Mm-hmm. That match is so wacky. Just, <laughs> there is so many missed spots. You've got Muta fighting a drone, Keno setting his leg on fire, and then Muta winning with a fireball. It's just, it's an experience in of itself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you are. Right then, we'll have to call ourselves it for today on the Troopany Show. I will be back tomorrow with today at the G1 Climax and possibly looking at some educational philosophy or indeed wider philosophy. We'll have to see. I'm feeling some Nietzsche maybe tomorrow. Uh, For now, though, I'd like to thank my guest, uh, Mr. John Dinsale of Steel Share Wrestling Magazine. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Oh, just looking at Twitter. I'm not sure what the fan is, but someone... Sorry, the show is what a fan at a show is trying to teach TJP how to put a mask on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, thank you very much, John. Where can we find you on the internet?
1: You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell that will show you all of my writings, my opinions... My occasional screenshots from shows that have very laughable moments. And yeah, check out Steel Chair Magazine where the ongoing Deathmatch calendar is, well, ongoing. I kind of summed that up quickly. We've got 16 pieces we can enjoy so far from around the world, around history. Even modern gems that happened this month that I haven't been able to do a full review on. Shout out to you, Ruthless Plural Wrestling and Hoodfoot's. Incredible ability to bleed. (laughs) Like, he's a very big, like, black man. But by the end of the match, he was red. Like, literally red from the amount of blood that had come out the top of his head. It was ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Well, there we go. Um, I I will be contributing to that by the end of the month. I haven't written it yet. I'm going to have a go at that maybe tonight. Probably tomorrow. At some point this week. Because I'm moving house next week. Um, yes, there will be a Troopany show this weekend, one way or another. I don't know what it's going to be next week. It might be something we need to cover and and get done in the week, so um, it's on a holiday next week. Not this week, next week. We might get something done, but definitely next Sunday, Monday, there will be a Troopany show. We probably should work at the G1 Climax Final in all of its glory, Um, because, you know, it's a fairly big show, even though no one seems to be interested this year, (laughs) because TV, I have like ruined the g1 for everybody because no one can talk about it afterwards well we can but they can't do it with illustrated things anywho thank you for listening to me my name is james Troopany. you can find me at sheriff Lone Star. you can find this show at Troopany show on twitter and the Troopany show on facebook and patreon where you keep the Troopany show free forever for peace too and we'll speak to you this week uh, with today at the G1 three days and it's the G1 final on Thursday I might not do a G1 final one I probably will but if you don't want to listen to it you can wait till Sunday and we'll look at the G1 final in its entirety with guests okay thank you very much for listening to the Troopity show today and we'll see you soon take care bye <laughs>